Welcome to the Bristol and Bath Lifting Club. Right, picture this. You're on the cross trainer. I know it's not an effective way to lose weight, but you think it's an effective way to lose weight. And all of a sudden, that person, the person you've probably been eyeing up in your time in the gym, you're dreading that it's some time they're gonna come over to you and start a conversation. That day has now come. They've come over and they've started to ask you dull questions about the weather. Your iPod, AirPods, they ran out of battery about half an hour ago, but you keep them in your ears just in the hopes that they won't interrupt. But you know that that's futile because they always do. It is that one person, sometimes there's a group of them, in the gym. They are the gym hoes or gym whores, depending on which way you look at it. No, not the people that will put out at a moment's notice. Not the ladies of the night. No, not the ladies of the night. We're not going misogynistic or anything here. We're talking about those people that trade their time for money in the gym. Personal trainers. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, gym hoes. Do you get it? Because they trade their time for money, you know, money. In exchange for knowledge well i mean (laughs) occasionally occasionally some of them have knowledge but i mean it's not looking great the industry is not looking great no it's far in between isn't it is getting a personal trainer in your opinion as a personal trainer Mm. worth the money and how much money is it worth in terms of like for an average person that's a really interesting question because it's all about perceived value, isn't it? What can you offer to your client? What do they see that you can offer? Anything, including anal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I got my first coach when I was like 22 mm. and I had been doing things wrong for so many years. So when I got my first coach, who happened to be a competitive strongman and powerlifter, I was over the moon. So I was quite happy to pay whatever they were charging at the time because I needed that knowledge because I knew I was holding myself back. So for me, it was 100% worth it. But I've trained in gyms before, like Pure Gym, for example, and some of the trainers there... No offense to the people who are actually decent there, but some of the trainers there really don't have a clue. I mean, we're talking barely any gym experience. They haven't been in the trenches per se. And they've recently finished their level two course or whatever. And oh, then it's a level three. It's a level it's three. It's a level yeah. three. And then they're straight in there. They're straight yeah. in teaching and they don't really have any, um, any experience to draw on, really. Personally, I think it's the level fours you have to watch out for. Be right. very, very of a level four. Anyone with a level four qualification, I'm very wary of. <laughs> because, no, honestly, honestly, because it, the level two, that's the basic gym instructor qualification. You need that in the UK in order to basically work in the gym, right? The level three is the personal training qualification, but then there's further qualifications. And I think at level three, with the PT qualification, there is more than enough money, if you're good, to be made from that. And at that point, you know that all of the other qualifications is basically just a racket. Like they do not teach you at level four on the back pain course 
really <laughs> how to fix people's back pain. It's a lot of safeguarding. It's a lot of this, that, and the other. There's like one module on it. And you're better off like just working with people that specialize in that and doing your own research and having your experience and then meeting other people in the industry with experience than going on a course. People that stack up the qualifications, I've often found are really shit. Can you think of anyone that you've ever met that's like that? Or would that be, you know, I mean, you don't want to call people's names out or anything yeah, like maybe that. Maybe we shouldn't call people out. Okay. Maybe on the Patreon. We'll do it on the podcast <laughs> extended edition. Okay. But for me, we like, both know, I'm sure we both know people. I've met a bunch of people like that that stack up the qualifications. Yeah. I've definitely met people in my time for sure. And it's really funny because when it comes to getting a coach, like if I was to get a coach, I, I couldn't give a fuck what mm. level people are. Mm. What I do care about is if they can walk the walk and talk the talk. Right. So if I was to get a strength coach, I'd be like, okay, what numbers is he putting up? Mm. What does his physique look like? What mm. is his knowledge of programming? How can you get me to where I want to be? That's the only thing I care about. Have they been in the trenches? Have they tried and failed with multiple methods? How do they know what works and what doesn't? That's mm. that's all I care about. So I would get a coach based solely on the fact that they're deadlifting over 300 kilos mm. and they know how to program for someone who's at a lower level than them. Right. So the reason why, because I've spoken to a number of personal trainers about this, because I've always found it fascinating, like how they find their clients from business perspective, what clients they get on with, what areas they may or may not specialize in. And I think that there is something to be said for individual PTs. There are certain types of clients that gravitate towards them. Now, one of my friends, Lee, who used to be my personal trainer, he always said, look, and he worked at Pure Gym. Yep. <laughs> that he said, like, there is always like a certain demographic that would go to him and like all of his colleagues and stuff like that that he worked at with pure gym they all had like their own demographics the own, the types of clients that would kind of gravitate towards each individual one you could kind of guess what it would be um i think it's a little bit different from an online perspective if you do online coaching and stuff like that um basically if you're selling your services and that through the tiktok and the 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 um what is it? I was going to say Tumblr. That's a bit old fashioned. Instagram <laughs> and the Facebook and all yeah. that sort of thing. Then the chances are the vast majority of people that are following you are probably just wanting a fuck you. <laughs> yeah, it could then be. Then <laughs> the next lot will be people that are never actually going to hire you. They're just following people, kidding themselves into thinking so that they can kid themselves into thinking that they're actually one day going to work out. Yeah, you get they're, those. They're just doing yeah. research, you see, before they actually get that gym subscription and, and go for the first time. You also get people who sign on with you, but mm. only a few months, just to say that they've done it. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's, that's, that's really sad because we all get clients like that who will sign up for two to three months mm. and then they'll disappear. Sometimes it's a legit reason, like maybe a financial reason or mm. something going on in their life. But often it's quite sad. They just kind of give up. Mm. And it's, as a, from a PT's perspective, when someone signs up with us, like I know I feel this way, I become instantly invested in their goals and yeah. what they want to achieve. Like I'm thinking about all the time, how can I get this person to their goals? And then all of a sudden they drop off. Mm. And I'm like, that's really sad because I was invested in your goals. Were you? Mm. 
And it's such a shame as well because these people, sometimes they carry on training and especially because I've got an online presence, I can kind of see what they're doing. Yeah, you and spy on them, you mean? Yeah, <laughs> I do. They just crop up on my feed. Damn, and they shouldn't have accepted <laughs> cookies. Yeah. <laughs> and often, and often they, um, they don't get any further ahead, mm. you know? And it, it's quite sad. So you get people like that too. I think the industry in general is in a sorry state, right? And I think that's both from a personal training perspective. So if you are a personal trainer, the industry can be quite quite sad and not what you were led to believe it would be like and also to a certain extent from a client perspective because like I've met a lot of like really inept personal trainers and I don't have a huge amount of experience but I've met people that have been doing it for a while and like it's unbelievable how crap like that they are even to the point where they don't know how to do a squat properly yeah and you're thinking well how did you pass your qualification course i mean surely did you you know did you do like when i had to do it i had to do two in-person exams in an actual gym Mm -hmm. i had to do written exams which were theory based i also had to shadow someone for 20 hours so that's 20 hours worth of following another personal trainer around and i have met other people that's just like oh no i i did some multiple choice exams and then i submitted a video of me giving a tour around a gym and i was like what yeah that was literally what you actually qualified yeah that's how you qualified it's that's the sort of thing We, we don't have like a governing body to kind of you know balance everyone's level like well, if you there had are simps simps but there used to be reps but that's so apparently i mean this is the only opinion of course reps um register of exercise professionals is so unbelievably bad and shit that they let anyone in it yeah that, like most of like leisure centers and stuff like that they used to go by you need to be reps or you need to you know a gym would say you need to be registered with them or we don't really care yeah Nowadays, i mean we need like, we need like don't. a governing body that's mm. gonna have like I don't know, the same sort of level for everyone. So that way yeah. we keep the standard high of people coming through. There is a SIMPSPA, which I'm a member of. I can't pronounce exactly what the, what it is, uh, what, what the letters stand for. But they made, in order to get this job, I had to be a member. And they go through all of your qualifications and they only accept certain qualifications and stuff. Um, so I think to a, a certain extent, is it getting better? Is it not getting better? I don't know. What I can tell you is that I have never, ever, ever had a client ever ask to see any of my qualifications. Mm. And the only time I ever really have clients that that choose me, um, basically pay for my services and have decided before they've even met me that they basically want me because we normally do a consultation or someone that you meet in the gym and then they kind of ask questions and that. Yeah. But kind of like cold call or like get in touch is normally from like an online profile and that is very little to do with qualifications it just says personal trainer and then i wrote a load of stuff about like my journey and stuff like that uh most of the time in order to get business it's been from having the words personal trainer written on your back in yeah. a t-shirt or something like that <laughs> that is worth way more than a qualification it is it is and it's a lot cheaper too i think like the the pt industry is is quite ungoverned and mm. it's, it's kind of the same in martial arts because i'm also in that industry a little bit yeah and for me it took me four years to get my first black belt mm. and then i had to get my instructorship mm. and that involved doing like an eight-week course 
followed by a hundred hours of assisting in classes, followed by a hundred hours of leading my own classes before I was a fully qualified instructor. Mm. Um, but that kept the level high. But in a lot, a lot of times in the martial arts industry, just like the PT industry, anyone can kind of do it. You don't know what you're getting into. Mm. Um, as a, as a client, you don't know what this person's done or what sort of um, qualifications they have or training they've had mm. or competition experience. You have no idea. Yeah. You're just kind of going on the fact that they got a club. I'm just going to sign up there. So it's quite unregulated like PT. Mark, you're doing it wrong. I know you've got the kickboxing academy. I know you've got 15 years of experience, but I know you were stuck with the, um, what is it that you call it? Not newbie when you're stuck in the first phase. Oh, novice purgatory. I know you got stuck in novice purgatory for a bit, but I I'm did. thinking you got stuck with this qualification stuff because for just 150 pounds you could do a half day course in boxing fitness <laughs> boxing right but we'll also throw in the kettlebell <laughs> right class as well so you could be a qualified kettlebell instructor and a qualified kickboxing fitness instructor right <laughs> it'll only take half a day Damn. i just need 150 quid and you know what it comes with a lot of com uh, continued professional extra development points like cbd points you know <laughs> you become a dumbbell instructor as well you can do the kettlebells as well you know <laughs> yeah you've done it all wrong mate i know I've, I've gone wrong all these years putting all this time into everything really studying and trialing different methods did it wrong all i needed was to pay 150 pounds and be a fitness boxer size instructor <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> but okay. yeah the, the fitness industry is in a sorry state especially the online sort of presence because mm. now it's all about you know how you look not what about what you know so how they make Ooh. money in the fitness industry yeah. one be female two be Ooh. genetically hot and three wear skimpy outfits and do butt shots and you're probably going to get a lot of followers that sounded very misogynistic it's the same with men one <laughs> <laughs> one be a natural chatty guy right two take trend build build up your muscles three pose in front of the camera double bicep shots and you'll probably make a lot of money and the, the problem with it is... Yeah, but they don't tell you that you make all the money from doing the gay porn. Ah, there we go. That's the side hustle. <laughs> that is actually like a massive thing. People don't realize that in bodybuilding. Like a lot of people get hooked on drugs and stuff like that. And there is a massive industry. There's a certain extremely very famous bodybuilder that has a, a video with a pineapple, let's say. You can do your own research on that one. I think but I get the idea. It's a massive, it's like a massive <laughs> thing. Like it's a mystic thing no one talks about. We need to do an episode on that at some point. Might have to be a Patreon only. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not about what, what people know anymore. It's kind of about how you look. And it's a shame because if you look at those smaller sort of Instagram pages, you've got these guys who are really strong. They've been training for years. They know what they're doing. They've tried They've trialed and failed with multiple methods, been in the trenches, as I like to say. They know their shit, but yet they've got such a small following because they're not in skimpy shorts taking booty shots. But sex sells, doesn't it? It does. It, it does. does sell. Although I think there is a big difference between online and in-person because in-person personal training, people will go by who is in, what personal trainers are working in the gym they've signed on for mm -hmm. or signed up to, right? I have one client, no, actually, sorry, two clients who have a membership at this gym that we're at purely to see me 
because they cannot stand training here. They come here just to see me. And then they go to a Puritrium up the road in Brislington because they say it's so much better and they have air conditioning in that one. Wow, it's that's really a game changer, bad. Isn't it? Like it's really bad. <laughs> I'm like, you know, you don't have to come and see me if you really want. We can just do online coaching. No, 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 no. I like to see you in person. I like to see you in person. So yeah, that's that's two of them. But I think that men, in my experience, men and women often tend to choose a PT in very different ways. So what, in my experience, I don't know whether you you've seen this as well or whether you agree with this, is that. Men tend to just want to be trained by an older version of them. So like them, what they're trying to accomplish, they will find what their ideal physique is or goals or whatever it is. And they will pick the biggest guy or they will pick the guy in the gym that looks like that and they'll approach that person. Whereas women, I find that is really different. So I find that if women have a lot of other supportive women in their life and that, they often will choose a female personal trainer. But if they don't, they'll often gravitate more towards a male personal trainer with a extremely good sense of humor, right? Because what female clients have told me is that they don't want a female personal trainer because that female personal trainer is going to be fit and they don't want to stand next to them. So it's like a self-esteem kind of thing, which is right, really yeah. interesting. Whereas I've got, I've got a lot more female clients than I have male clients. And a lot of the female clients, they basically turn around after we get chatting and stuff like that. And I say, you know, what is it, you know, feedback? What is it that, why did you choose me? You know, that kind of thing. And they say, well, I've seen you train other women and they're always kind of smiling and you're always doing more exciting things that doesn't involve a cardio machine, you yeah. know? I'm yeah. like, oh, that's, that's nice, but it's interesting. It's just a repetitive thing of, it needs to be to a certain extent like a supportive role. Mm. And whereas a lot of men as well, they like, a lot of the men like me to call them a little bitch if they can't do something <laughs> properly. The women, not so much. Yeah, the yeah. women, they want to be told like, well done, Sheila, you've done really good. I'm proud of you today, you know? You yeah. did better than last week. They it's don't want to be called a little bitch. No. I, can, I can tell you that. <laughs> I mean, that would definitely inspire me if someone called me a little bitch. I'd be like, right, I'm going no, to pick that, this thing that, up. That's, I think that's maybe one of the differences between a lot of men and women is that men like to be called little bitches when they don't quite do a, when they do a false rap or a cheat curl. It's funny, it's funny when you, um, you mention cardio machines as well, because a lot of women think that for them to get to where they want to be, they're going to be spending a lot of time on cardio machines. Yeah. When it's it's so far from the truth. Like if mm. you want to burn fat and tone, most women want to tone, right? Yeah. Which essentially means lose weight and build muscle. You're yeah. going to be spending a lot of time pumping the iron. So when it comes to men and women, there's not a lot of difference in how I train them. Mm. Um, it's, it's all down to the, those big, basic, big compound exercises, the bang for your buck movements and getting mm. stronger at them over time. And I've had quite a few female clients who all tell me that they want to tone and when we dig a little deeper to what that means essentially they want to build some muscle and get stronger so to all you females who are listening maybe one or two of you <laughs> just remember that weightlifting is where it's at and it's not just for guys definitely definitely um the stereotypical kind of thing that comes through on the website if it's for a women tends to be uh when i like on the forum they've got to feel like what is it that you're interested in in terms of 
from fitness, health, what are your goals and that is always like usually the same thing. It either mentions toning or more specifically, it says I need to lose my mum tum, mm. which is always really interesting as well. Whereas for men, it's always like want to get jacked or, you know, mm. that kind of thing. And it's very, very, very stereotypical. But from a training perspective, like, yeah, there are specialist forms of training. Like I've done in the past, I've done gymnastics and stuff like that, which you can't necessarily do in the gym that we're at. We don't have any rings or anything like that. But, um, you know, in general, it is going to be weight training work with something that takes account of improving your, you know, cardiovascular health. Exactly. And most of that's going to be done outside of the gym, let's be fair. And a lot of people don't realize that when it comes to size, whether gaining size, if you're a skinny dude or girl, or losing size, it mostly comes down to calories. Mm. Um, if you're looking to drop weight, you're going to be in a calorie deficit. If you're looking to gain weight, yeah, you're, you're going to be lifting weights, but you're also going to be in a calorie surplus. And that's where most of the size is going to come from. Not, not your magical 12, 15 rep sets. Because um, again, that's another illusion, right? People think higher reps build more muscle. It's not entirely true. It's more about progression in a chosen rep range and then eating enough to facilitate growth. That it is, that it is. Let's hope that people will actually remember that. Calorie deficit, if you wanna lose weight, if you wanna gain weight, calorie surplus. But remember, we're only talking like a slight deficit or a slight surplus because you don't want to put on too much weight too quickly or you just get really fat. Same as you don't want to lose too much weight too quickly. This the slow kind of meandering scenic route if you want the good body, I yeah. think, and the healthy body. I mean, I get most of my clients on a 250 calorie surplus to begin with. Mm. And then when the scale stops moving, we add a bit more. We slowly mm. build up over time. And also those calories are not just coming from like chocolate bars. Um, it's coming from good sources of nutrition. So you're making sure you're getting good quality protein, carbs, fats, and then you add calories using healthier foods as you go on. And that's where the size come from, not... 20 rep sets, although 20 rep set would still do the job as long as progression is taking place. This is something I tell a lot of people as well. No one seems to believe me. Like I, I, spent, <laughs> I spent so many years doing higher rep sets and getting nowhere. Mm. And then I switched to low reps, which is mostly meant to be about, you know, building strength, not building size. And Do you I, mean when you say low reps, five and under? Five and under, yeah. Because some people will think like, oh, that's your 10 to 12 is your low reps. And they're talking no, like five 20. five and under. But you're talking like classic strength building. Yeah, really, really up in that intensity. Mm. And I grew like a weed. Mm. And that was mostly coming from progression. The rep range didn't matter. What mattered is I got stronger in that rep range as well as eating enough to facilitate growth. So how did you actually get started being a personal trainer? Because you have had quite a few jobs, I think. You've done lots of different things, haven't you? I have, yeah, I've done lots of different things. Um, I was in full-time martial arts at one point, teaching uh, kickboxing, a screamer, children and adults martial arts did that full time for a bit and then I set up my own one in Bristol set up my own academy and then I got a job in a school for a bit and it was all right but I didn't really like my manager at the time oh, who does let's be <laughs> yeah fair. so I ended up just being like well what can I do and at this point I had a fully kitted out home gym I was like well I can PT for my home gym hmm. so I set up the Instagram 
um, just started posting up content. And then as time went on, I accumulated some clients. And that's kind of how I got into it. What about you? It makes sense, I think, from the perspective, if you're already doing martial arts, then I suppose there's a certain amount of people that take it ultra seriously and they say, can I have some private martial arts sessions and that as well, I guess, like one-to-one. Yeah, I've but got then... a handful of clients who just train martial arts with me. Mm. Um, I've also got a handful of clients who do a bit of both. Yeah. So it's kind of like a hybrid routine. We do like 30 minutes of lifting, 30 minutes of like kickboxing. And then I've got clients who just do weightlifting with me. Well, for me, it's a very different story because I, I originally, so when I chose my options back at GCSE in school, so that we're talking like 13, 14, I already knew that I ever wanted to build robots for a living, right? <laughs> in fact, I actually said I wanted to be head of robotics at Bristol University. Nice. Right? That was at 13 years old, I said that. I love or that. I wanted to go into psychology. And I was not smart enough to do either. So I chose the <laughs> next best thing, which was to go into electrical engineering in general. And my mum and dad said, you should be an electrician because then you'll be just rich. And I believed them stupidly because everyone told me you never see a poor electrician. So I left school at 16 and got an apprenticeship. And uh, I hated school. It was really, really bad for me. And it just seemed to get even worse when I left because it was even worse working for my first job. But I'm not allowed to talk about that because I signed a non-disclosure agreement in exchange for a considerable amount of money. So again, that might be something that we can allude to in the Patreon I like that. <laughs> at some point in the future. Um, so we both kind of came to PT later on in our yeah. careers, bit of a career shift. When I had my electrical company, I saw it as a a means to an end. I basically said, well, I do enjoy aspects of it. I really like business. That's really interesting. I can only ever be my own boss. I would never struggle. I'd never cope with working for someone else. So when I got to, I had two guys working for me and I was like, this is it now. One of them left, the other I had to sack because he was just causing too much problems. Um, do I either retrain and build my company up so that I can retire? Or do I just take the money I've got and go into another career? Which luckily for me, I invested since I was like 18, I was investing money and putting it aside um, into like stocks and shares. And I was quite lucky with investing in Bitcoin at the right time as well. Um, so I took some time off for a bit and got a job at a DIY store. Mm. And then I decided what is it I want to do with my life? So I did something else, which I'm not allowed to talk about, uh, which might have to be another patron <laughs> thing, right? And then out of that came an interest in um, poison. So I studied medical herbalism, phytotherapy, which is the study of medicinal plants. And then I was interested in basically becoming a herbalist, which is basically someone that makes medicine from plants, kind of like a herb or doctor kind of thing. Um, but I found that some of the people that I was meeting that want that sort of a service, they talk about having a holistic and healthy lifestyle and that a lot of them need to lose weight and need to take things seriously. So I figured actually it would be as a complementary thing. Personal training might be a good like 
area to go into just from a knowledge perspective not as a personal trainer but just to do the qualification to understand it and I then ended up falling in love with kind of like the I think it's the relationship that you have with clients yeah it's basically like that I see people for half an hour to an hour they unload their crazy lives I listen I chuckle along thinking thank <laughs> fuck that's not my life and then I get them to like bench press and we chat it's the easiest job I have ever had yeah. and it's really rewarding seeing people do you know go through hardship have a physical change and then that carries over into their their everyday lives because I found like specifically like the sorts of people that I tend to attract I have a lot of people with low self-esteem issues with um, body dysmorphia with all that kind of stuff and with depression and anxiety and like I've kind of developed a way of working to try and help people like that out which is mainly about you know you Basically, I keep prying at people's insecurities and keep asking really, really deep questions <laughs> over time. And then eventually, when they've kind of done enough sets of squats, they're tired. They're too tired to fight me, and they just come all out with it. And then we just slowly, over the months, pick it apart. And then when they see that physical transformation, like a physical change in the mirror, you then turn around and say, "You've done that physically. You are physically a different person to who you was six months ago. You can do that for the rest of your life." And then there's something in their mind kind of clicks where they're like, actually, breaking all these workouts into one time. Right, well, that is the end of the basic edition, the simple edition of this. So we go into the naughty bit, but Mark actually has to go and do some work. So we are going to get in someone else. And that is the fabulous Baker Boy. <laughs>